This is More Than Therapy Podcast. More Than Therapy. This is More Than Therapy. More Than Therapy Podcast. This is More Than Therapy. More Than Therapy Podcast. This is More Than Therapy Podcast. And welcome to another episode of the Morning Therapy Podcast. Today we have Mr. Jake Thomas, who is originally from New Orleans and has a passion for personal service that stems from being a United States Marine. Thank you for your service, sir. He has proudly leveraged that among a plethora of other experiences and hardships into a career of helping people satisfy some of the most basic human needs, health, happiness, and wealth. Jake has an affinity for physical and spiritual nutrition. By truly prioritizing his own health, he learned to manifest thoughts into reality. Put simply, the process of re-sculpting his mind and body saved his life. It has enabled him to leave family, friends, and total strangers on similar paths. Nothing on this earth has given Jake more satisfaction than positively impacting the lives of other people. Founded in 2017, Life Like Jake is an elite mindset training mission that puts candidates through a rigorous unplugging process to rewire their thought matrices and understanding of the world as they see it and of life itself. Doing so produces autonomous beings who are principle-based and purpose-driven, able to harness the power of the universe to enact the change in their lives that so deeply they desire. Life Like Jake. And today we have Mr. Jake Thomas to discuss with us regarding happiness, healthiness, and most importantly, not just joking, <laughs> wealthiness. Mr. Jake Thomas. Man, it's good to be here today. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's awesome. Hell of an intro. It's making me blush. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder who wrote it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You are a great, amazing human. Thank you for your, your service and your continued dedication even after serving in the military. Um, I know the military. Oh, man, I was in the military. I was in the Navy, so we were, were partner services. I remember working with Marines on many occasions, and I just found that their dedication to the craft was so much more than those of us who were submariners. <laughs> oh, man, too, and, and I've certainly been on a couple of... Uh, subs underwater and you know the narrow spaces and tight quarters that y'all lived in hats off to you for that brother so right for on. sure for sure life like jake it didn't just come about in 2017 it was a build-up what were the steps in your life that led to you wanting to create this platform in order to give back great question a lot of it was trial by fire and accidental just Hypothesis after hypothesis, inadvertent um, example and coincidence. And enough of those kind of happened to where I started to see like, hey, there's a model for this here. Hey, there's a demand for it. Hey, people are, are continuing to ask me about it. No matter where I went in my life, this health and mindset and accountability, leadership, discipline, again, things that I learned from the Marine Corps kept reappearing. And um, the more I looked towards them and more I saw this formality kind of taking shape. That's really how it all started. 
Indeed, indeed. The principles, the things that we learn in the military don't always transition well into the commercial world, the, the what we call real life or commercial life. What principles have you taken from the military that transition to you helping people be a better them? Mm. For sure, the core values of the Marine Corps and honor, courage, and commitment. Those are the top three, no doubt about it. Uh, intestinal fortitude, self-reliance, extreme accountability. You know, understanding that living a life of purpose, choosing purpose over pleasure and the importance of that and to be able to consciously seek suffering for personal growth, being a person of principle, never compromising on your principles, living with character, living in congruence with your conscience and uh, always doing the right thing, no matter what. Indeed, indeed, always doing the right thing. Over time, the right thing changes, right, Jake? You and I have seen some things in our lifetime <laughs> that always didn't align with what we know to be right. But living your right, most virtuous self is important regarding stability. I think when we fall outside of our values, that's when a lot of the stressors and the impact of stress really hit us. And I'm sure you've seen it. I've seen it. I'm sure the people that we work with on a day-to-day -day basis see it, right? Absolutely. And I, and I call that conscience congruence. So if you're living in congruence with your conscience, you know it. Not because you see it, but because you feel it. And feeling is the understanding. People might see you and to them seeing can be believing, but to yourself, feeling is understanding. So when you're living in alignment with the person you're trying to, your actions being in alignment with the person you're trying to create, that's conscience, conscience congruence. And when you're out of that, you know it because you've got regret. And regret is a guideline to be able to tell you like, hey, this is wrong, this doesn't feel right. But still, we fight it. And that's why one of the biggest problems we face as human beings is trying to convince our minds of something that our hearts know to be a freaking lie. Oh, I know this problem. Oh, 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 so well. Mind, body, soul. There's really, if we zoom out, that is basically your internal mantra. You know, the mind has to be well in order for the body to be well, as well as vice versa. The body has to be well in order for the mind to be well. Jake, you are an amazing physical specimen. <laughs> You've used your military experience and kept it, as many of us tend to fall off when we um, leave the service. How did you stay focused on your physical wellness, which obviously contributed to your mental wellness and they contributed to one another as they live in a state of homeostasis? They do. Um, they're definitely symbiotic, right? They rather, I should say, they can be. They aren't always that way. And by that, I mean, you and I both know plenty of people that are in great shape on the exterior, but inside they're a mess. I've been one of those people. I know what it's like to look good to the outside world, but to be in torment and hell inside. And growing up that way and continuing through most of my life that way, I started to see the writing on the wall and thinking like, this isn't right. This doesn't feel right. This is wrong. The physicality of it really stemmed from the Marine Corps. And before that, I played soccer my whole life, ran track. And then once as a Marine realized that, you know, being able to depend on my body and call on it was critical. 
mission critical even, you know? So that to me was an association of this is a matter of life and death. The better I do this, the better I'll be able to do that, serve, help, et cetera. And then continue that on uh, into my 20s and 30s and ran track in college. And again, I keep, kept having these reasons to stay in shape, not just because I liked it, because of the benefit that I was getting from it, being able to value my physicality and knowing that I could command my body if I need to do something or if I need to rescue or otherwise just have to act on it in a moment's notice, God forbid, under duress, that I'd be able to do so. It wasn't until later where I made the mind, body and soul connection of not just trying to look good, but rather let me become healthy. Then I'm, by becoming healthy, I'm going to feel better. By, be, by becoming healthy and feeling better, I'm going to get stronger and move better. By becoming healthy, feeling better, getting stronger and moving better, guess what happens inevitably? You look better too. I can't hear you, brother. Once again, like I said, <laughs> having the curiosity of children is one of your, your, your standpoints in your mission. I feel like as we move away from being children and not having children-like ways, not so much the, the immaturity, but the, the curiosity, the values of, the always searching and always wanting to grow, always wanting to learn and asking questions and being curious as we navigate this world because many of us have grown up in a very concrete way of think, thinking that impacts the way we navigate this world. Tell us about why it's important to have the curiosity of children. Oh yeah, for sure. To me, it's, uh, it's pillared on innocence, you know, and a lack of fear. Kids, they ask you why, they wanna know all the reasons because that's the beauty of being a child is you have that, that innocence about you that makes you impervious to criticism or doubt or reason and you don't have fear. So you can ask somebody like, hey, why do you look this way, dad? Or what's going on with this? Or why do you feel like that? Like kids are fearless. And I think as adults, you know, we, we start to lose that because we're worried about our image. We don't want to sound wrong. We don't want to look wrong. Everything becomes so self-conscious and, and premeditated about our appearance and how we're going to be perceived and received that we lose a lot of that. So that makes us kind of close up a little bit as opposed to, hey, can you tell me more about that? I'd like to know why. You know, that's why I say admire, not criticize, to ask why before telling why. And for sure, to have the curiosity of a child because, God, if you could just be more curious if we could be more fascinated with each other instead of criticizing, instead of ridiculing and, you know, just seeking first to understand, wanting to know more, Stephen Covey would probably love me saying that from seven habits of highly effective people, but that seeking first to understand that's what curiosity is all about. So yeah, it really stems from, I think, innocence and just purity of the heart because you just want to know. Indeed. Indeed. As you say these things, how can someone add value to wherever they are? Many of the people I work with, clinicians, supervisors, supervisees, find themselves being hurt by, let's say, the, the agency mission is not being adhered to as closely. So they feel inept or they don't feel as empowered as they once did. 
what words of advice would you give someone like that who is nearing burnout, especially in the field of helping people? As if you burn out and you're in the helping field, you'll, you'll likely do more damage to the person you're helping or supposed to be helping if you don't address that issue. I know this is a difficult question, but just an oversight, just a, you know, what would you do to help them or how could you help them add value to wherever they are? I think that particular nugget would save millions. <laughs> That's the question too. How could I help them? I got that answer for sure. I would absolutely attack their nutrition. I don't care who they are. I don't care what they do, what their drag is, what's going on in their lives. The number one thing any of us can do in regards to our health to have the most profound impact on how we feel, how we look, how we move, how we think is what we put into our mouths and being able to take control of that. Pretty much 99% of the world does not do that. The problems that most people have are self-induced and most of those problems are coming by way of what's consumed here. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily about a feeling, but it's about a what's going on and the results of what they're eating that's doing these things to their bodies. And that's the foundation of my program and what makes it so different and singular and inimitable and what sets it apart from the others and why my clients continue to succeed and succeed and thrive and thrive and thrive. Mm, mm. You spoke, I felt like he was personally attacking me, Jake. I mean, I, <laughs> cause that's his, I, I know that to be true. One of the truest things I've ever heard because if you eat crap, you feel like crap. And if you don't have those good energy blocks going into work, you're not going to be your best self in your work. So, yes, I know that to be true. But I find that it's harder to do. At least we think it's harder to do. We tell ourselves it's harder to do. We go to the grocery stores and we look at these crazy prices. I know in New York, I saw some footage of what y'all going through right now. It's astronomical. Um, and they're able to say it's just easier, cheaper to go the fast food route or cheaper to eat out. No, no, no. <laughs> but is it cheaper because we pay now or we pay later? <laughs> nope, that's it's definitely not cheaper. That's an absolute misconception. And I can tell you that having lived in Manhattan and applied this to test the models before I launched the program, meaning you go to a fast food place right now, even a bag of chips, right? A bag of chips is three, four, five dollars. You go to a fast food place to get a meal you're going to spend at least 10 bucks, right? If you did that several times a week, or let's say twice a day, that's $20 times seven days a week, 20 by seven, that's $140. My grocery bills in Manhattan, in New York City, shopping at Whole Foods, buying grass-fed organic meat at Whole Foods, I got it down to less than $50 a week. It is not a money thing. It is a mind thing. It is a decision. It is a, a weakness of discipline. It is a weakness of personal strength and accountability. Period. There's a little bit of ignorance in it, but then once people are offered the option of what change the change process looks like, I don't want to do it because it doesn't suit their narrative. It doesn't fit their convenience. It is not pleasurable because it's purpose driven. That is the hardest part to sever is people wanting that they want as opposed to having to do something in a way that they don't necessarily want, but absolutely need. So it's not a money thing. It's just an understanding of what you're getting and what you're paying for as opposed to it. In your mission, you talk about loving yourself and, you know, respecting yourself and doing the things as it takes to loving and respecting yourself. 
people have fallen away from that. And I think that causes so much distress in their lives because they're, we break away from our family units and we move to the biggest cities and we do these big jobs and we're no longer connected to our village in a lot of ways. And we focus so much on the work instead of the internal work, right? In one of your blogs, you said, this is only a little bit of how much I love you. Tell us a little bit about this. <laughs> you read that, huh? That's a good one. It's like when you're on the, you know, you hear it regularly. You've flown before. I've flown before. I'm sure most of our listeners have flown on a plane before. When you hear that safety message on the flight, pre-flight, put your mask on first before offering assistance. Why do they say that? Because you are of greater danger to those around you should you not heed that advice. Meaning it's more important for you to take care of your own self first before trying to offer assistance to other people because you're of greater danger, not just to yourself, but to them. This is the same thing, but that's the only place in the world we really hear it. So imagine you're a parent, God forbid this happens in that situation, and you have to look at your child and say, you got to trust daddy on this one for a second. Rule number one as a parent, you know, your selflessness rules above all. And in that moment, it goes against the fiber of that selflessness where you have to go trust daddy for this one second and then I'm going to take care of you. Yet in life, we seem to forget about that or we disregard it. But it's right there in front of us. It always has been. Hmm. Indeed, indeed. If we can only get back to that. <clears throat> Always do the right thing, no matter what. Now, Jake, 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 you know that's almost impossible. <laughs> I was just watching some footage about a cop who was considered a whistleblower. He was a whistleblower and just how his agency, his organization, you know, how the whole, you know, considered him you know, an outsider, a traitor. And now he's in trouble. He's facing like three felonies because of the footage he released regarding police brutality. And I think that some more people would be willing to come out and do the right thing no matter what, if there wasn't so many, so many consequences that could arise from it. But you say that this should not be your focus on wellness and recovery, your focus on having the values that you supposedly adhere to because not adhering to them causes so much distress, so much pain, and sometimes pain that leads to no longer being amongst us, as we've seen in some cases. But tell us, explain to us, let's discuss. Always do the right thing, no matter what. We know what that means. We know it in our hearts. Again, this is conscience congruence. When you are trying to convince your mind of something you know in your heart to be a lie, not in it. When you are not living in alignment with the vision you have of your future self, you're not in it. When your actions are not adhering to the principles you're trying to live by in order to create the person you are trying to become, you're not in it. If you're trying to appear to be rather than actually becoming, you're not in it. None of those things equate to doing the right thing, and certainly not all the time. But doing the right thing is simple. Does it mean it's easy? That's subjective. Simplicity is a matter of fact. It's not a matter of opinion. It's an objective truth. Something is or is not simple. Whether something is or is not easy 
you know, it could be easy for you. It's hard for me, vice versa. That's the subjective element of it. So the simplicity of being able to do the right thing, that means we are able to, we're responsible, meaning response able. We are all able to do the right thing. It's just depending on the moment, depending on ourselves, what's around, who's not around maybe, where free will can be the determinant of whether it's easy or difficult. But if you maintain that conscience congruence, dare I say the decision is null because you don't have a decision because it's just the way you are. I think your next step, I think your next step is to be a preacher. (laughs) (laughs) You're preaching today, Jake. (laughs) I don't know if they would have me. (laughs) Oh, contrary, my friend. (laughs) I've seen some things. (laughs) I've seen some things. You know, I work in addictions and addiction is an excuse. Even if you can, don't assume a victim mentality. Some people look at their past as an excuse to be an addict. Some people look at their situation as an excuse to be an addict or to stay an addict. I work at a methadone clinic where some people have been in this clinic for 15, 20 years. I just started working there three months ago and I'm hearing about their histories and I'm, not, I'm trying to help them titrate and they're just stuck. I've been this for 18 years. I can't be anything else. Da, da, da. How is somebody who's been in, in a program such as the methadone clinic still an active user of opiates, fentanyl, and cocaine, and they're dosing every day. Addiction is an excuse. Even if you can, don't assume a victim of mentality. Please help us explore that. I'm so glad you said that about addiction being an excuse because it is. It's a luxury. It is a comfort. Very few, and by very few, I mean very few people have ever had a gun put to their head and forced to do drugs, forced to consume alcohol, forced to cheat on their spouses. Very few people. So for someone to say they're an addict, it's a fallback. Oh, it's it's just easy to call yourself that because it removes accountability. It removes you having to be the one to take ownership for your actions and say, well, this other thing, this other person or consciousness or altered state of mind did it to me. My Mr. Hyde, so to speak. No. I grew up with an alcoholic father. I grew up with a sex addict father. He wasn't addicted. He was selfish. He was weak mentally. He was selfish in his actions and the way he did the thing and why he did the things he did. He was a great father, don't get me wrong, but his actions spoke otherwise. It wasn't an addiction. That's a just weak mindset. It's a lack of personal accountability. And again, most of the people you see, whether they've been in there, like you said, 13, 18 years, and they're still using, clearly the model is not working. Hello, whatever clinic that is. Whereas me, having worked with multiple recoverers or of abusers, because I don't want to call them addicts, myself being one of them, the people that I work with, no relapses, no repeats, no longer using feeling better than they ever have, feeling more wholesomeness from within they ever have, looking better than they ever have. About to pick up a guy that's 30 years on the needle. And I'm getting people to kick habits like that because of freaking nutrition. Again, it's not about what you're putting in your ears. It's about what you're putting in your mouth. When will people understand that, man? I don't know, but I'm here to say, if you come to me, I don't care what your addiction, I don't care what your vice, I don't care what your abuse, what your weakness, I can freaking help you. And it's going to happen 
by changing the way you eat. That's it. Ooh, I want you to talk to my CEO. I need you to talk to him. Because <laughs> I just started, like I said, I've been doing this for 90 days. And I, that first five days, I was like, I don't know if I could do this. Why did you tell me to come here, Adrienne? <laughs> she was like, I need you to be the supervisor, the clinical therapist, because they're, they're not doing well. And I said, I can see why when you have this, when you're faced with this culture of addiction, that the agency, that the mantra is supporting why would the client want to do anything different if you're not giving them alternatives to being any different? You know what I'm saying? It's and the I do. Tendency model. It's right. Kind of, exactly. Modeling. It's it's non-forward moving and it's uh, right. It's right. Right. Shoot, that's a book right there. Shoot, you you was passionate about that one, Jake. <laughs> simple. Remember, <laughs> and I'm gonna use that word. Sim simple or phrase. Simple. Right. Highly effective. Doesn't yeah. mean it's easy. Doesn't mean it's what you want. And that is exactly why it works. Because right. it's not necessarily going to be easy. It's exactly what you don't want. And you're going to have to suffer. But that is the path of self-mastery. There you go. That's the next thing. The road to self-mastery is paved in suffering. We know this. I don't know if you're a religious man. But some of the mantra you said definitely feels that has a religious mantra, a spiritual mantra. Everyone who was successful in their journey of recovery had a paved walk of suffering. We almost was looking at the Bible in some ways, like, God damn, why you do that to him? <laughs> damn, poor Job, man, what are you doing? <laughs> but it led to a greater outcome, much bigger than it was before he started. You know what I'm saying? Self-mastery is paved in suffering. Why? Because we're removing the, the, what, the, the congruence thing, the negative congruence, the skewed congruence that kept us comforted, right? The drugs that kept us comforted, you know what I'm saying? Now we, like, people, a lot of times they get into recovery. Now they got to face the real reality. Yeah, I didn't know, I didn't have any financial stressors when I was actively using. Duh, because you was ignoring them. And look where you are now. You was ignoring them. You wasn't paying attention to them. It was easy to get the money, to get the drugs. Now it's harder to get the money to pay your bills. Yeah. I've been there. You know, the, the first time I got clean, reality was hard because sobriety was hard because it's sobering, right? Just like you touched on about you don't see the, the financial cost because everything you're spending money on is going to feed the habit and it's clouding your mind and keeping you delusional. Yeah. But then once you come out of that and you realize, man, reality sucks. I do not like this. I do not like myself. I do not like how I feel. I prefer to be on the stuff. Because it kept me numb and stupid and unaware. Yeah, that's how it works. That's why it works. But in order to go through that or in order to get to that other side, you have to go through something. Comfort is the killer of dreams. You must endure in order to create real change, lasting change. You must go through some attrition, some type of suffering. All the greatest Stoics, most enlightened persons throughout history, theologians, all the religious texts talk about it. Prolonged fasting, extended treks, and isolation in order to enact self-mastery, enlightenment, to talk to God. I mean, you talked about the Bible, Jesus, 40 days in the desert. Why? Because he needed to get to that heightened state of consciousness in order to speak to the creator. Now, how do we do that as human beings? How can we re replicate that? Extended treks, prolonged fasting, isolation. That is the playbook throughout millennium in order to tap into your higher levels of consciousness. So as far as in the road to self-mastery being paved in suffering, 
That is what I'm talking about. I am giving people the free pass of like, you want to suffer? You want to know what it's like to endure and have to be so disciplined that you're eating this particular singular way, going against the grain of what every other person in society is, is doing? That's putting yourself on an island. That is going on an extended trek. That is being in isolation. Because when you look around and you see the rest of the world is not like you, you go, my God, maybe there is something here. And that's one of those bricks that paves the road for sure. Telling you, Jake, you're supposed to be a preacher. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm feeling you over here. I'm telling you, warm and fuzzies. You've written a guide. A 30-day carnivore reset. Now, when you first read this, you're like, what? <laughs> what? Because <laughs> we always think, you know, green is the way to go. Tell us about the 30-day carnivore reset, God, if you could, please. Yeah, so 30 days, you know, 30-day carnivore reset, meaning you're going to strictly eat foods that come from an animal. That's it. Animals only and animal byproducts. And before you ask the question, no honey. Yes, a bee is technically or debatably an animal, but this diet, this 30 day reset is about putting your body back to square one, essentially back to its original basis of development, a la an infant. How do you do that? Well, you have to provide it with a single source of sustenance that gives it everything the body needs with maximum utilization, minimal discard, hyper-efficiency, but as little duress as possible. Why can we compare that to infants? Like breast milk. Breast milk is carnivore. It's animal-based. It is a single source of sustenance, providing everything the little infant's developing body needs. It's hyper-absorbent, immediately usable. There's minimal discard, and it does not duress the body. Why? Because it's critical that that little baby does not have stress put on its body because it needs to grow and develop optimally. Otherwise, the stress could kill it. So as humans, as adults, how do we do that? You do it through carnivore. There is no other single source of food on this earth that can give you the nutrient, macronutrient, vitamin, and enzyme profile as can red meat. It's not going to be an avocado. It's not going to be beans and rice. I've been a vegan for over a year. I've been a vegetarian for over a year. I've dieted pescatarian, Mediterranean, standard American, bro diet, if it fits your macros. I've competed in the world championships in natural bodybuilding. As a vegan, I've competed in natural bodybuilding as a bro fits dieter, macros, et cetera, et cetera. Five times over with championships, one of which was a world title. I know what I'm talking about with nutrition and the reactions of the body. There is nothing else like this way of eating. And that's just part of it because it's, again, it's about that denial. It's about that consciously sought suffering to induce personal growth and to realize the power that the body is able to create on its own. It's not that the food is doing this. The body is doing all that on its own, but it's finally able to rest because it doesn't have all this other junk coming into it. And junk doesn't just mean junk food. You'd be surprised at what can disrupt the body that's actually camouflaged with a smile and handed to you by your grandmother. Okay. <laughs> I never heard that before, but I'm definitely going to look into that guide because I need a reset, Jake. I really do. Mentally, physically, and spiritually. So. I'm right in front of you, man. The reset <laughs> is looking at you. Your path to get there is right here. Indeed. Indeed. We lie to ourselves daily. At least I know I do. 
clinicians I work with, they do. Clients I work with, they do. People that I love, respect, and those I don't tend to do. The lies are comforting. The lies are a delusion that unbeknownst to us can cause and is causing stress. Tell us about one of the biggest problems we face as human beings is trying to convince our minds of something our hearts know is a lie. And shoot, that might just be the premise of being American, but I can speak too much on that part today. <laughs> yeah, man, that's my, that's my line. You know, one of the biggest problems we face as human beings is trying to convince our minds of something our hearts know to be a lie. And this is right back to conscience congruence because you see it, you know it, you feel it, yet you're trying to do otherwise. You know, something as simple as this was years ago. Uh, my aunt was having a sip of red wine and she or she's having a red wine. She took her first sip. And she goes, God, every time I drink red wine, I get a headache. And my uncle from the other room, he goes, well, then you shouldn't drink red wine. And I had a chuckle about it. So did she. And I just kind of like, eh, whatever. But right there, that is one of the prime examples of your body's literally talking to you. And yet your mind is telling it otherwise because your palate or your emotional response of some kind of memory that it evokes to want you to feel the same way that you did back then, but you're not going to feel that way now. So regardless of how it makes you sickly, you're still going to go forward with it. What? And that's just one little iota of an example. Talk about people doing this on the daily, whether it's this habit, whether it's this bit of mistrust, whether it's telling somebody you need a reset, but then actually not doing anything about it. I hear that a lot. Trust me. Oh my God, I'm so motivated, Jake. I can't wait to do this. Dial tone, never hear from him again. The ones that act, the ones that take action, they change forever because there is no going back because this is not about superficiality. This is about total recreation of the self. This is about becoming an absolute autonomous terminator. What does that look like? That is a person that has true clarity of mind warmth and love in their hearts, honesty between the years. And they've done that because of the steps and the system that I have to work with and to get to. It's goal-focused, goal-oriented to where it is all about personal growth and development. Leadership, accountability, discipline, self-reliance, intestinal fortitude. Yeah, those are all the pillars. But in order to get there, we got to wipe the slate clean. And that's why the system is the way it is. And that's why the system works the way it does. Just looking at some of your blogs, you're an amazing writer, Jake. Uh, one of the ones that stood out, I'd like to speak on it if you can, is like I work with supervisees in this clinic that I've been working with for the last 90 days that I'm having to consider walking away from because it's just crazy bananas, man. It's just understand. But I'm complaining. So this is the same thing I'm talking about. <laughs> Constantly complaining how oversharing negativity can be detrimental to yourself and those around you. I tell people all the time, the words we put out are the words that influence our brains, as powerful as they are, are very simple creatures, right? If you put out negativity, it wires you to be negative. If you put out negativity, it wires them to be negativity. And the way you look at the world in this negative fashion is the way that that course is gonna be driven. Every morning, I have about an eight mile drive to work. It's like four, it's five in the morning. So it's like dead dark. Nobody's on the road. And it's just me in the road and God. 
and I pray and I do mantras regarding having a good day, having a good impact. And I see that doing that is the only thing keeping me sane in this new this new world of methadone treatment. Um, but in your work, how have you helped people to realize that their negative output is really hurting them and those around them? It's a great question, and I very much empathize with you and your utilization of the mantras and your own self-talk, because nonverbal communication and self-talk far outweigh verbal communication. Verbal communication and spoken language is, I want to say it's less than 10% of all communication. It might be less than 30. I forget the statistics. So don't quote me on it. But the overwhelming majority of communication done is nonverbal and self-talk. So Think about how much that can warp or control the way you act because our thoughts are things straight up. And when you're talking about having or trying to change your way of thinking, a big part of that has to come through what I call addition through subtraction. You can think you want to change or try to start working on how you're thinking or wanting to think differently. But if you have muck and junk and tons of layers in front of those eyes, blocking that vision from happening, it's not gonna matter because you can't get to it. So that is why, again, you would be, and was so many other people, mesmerized by the nutrition forefront aspect. Because most people think like, okay, I'm just gonna do exactly like you said, I'm gonna do a mantra, da, da, da. how's that working out for you? It's barely keeping you alive, just like you said, right? Your, your words. That's because it's surface level. You think it's getting deep, but it's not. It's only scratching the surface. You're not getting to the core. You're at like the crust, not even the mantle. And then somebody thinks, all right, I'm just going gonna, gonna to work out a lot. It's not going to matter. You're going to still be empty in here. You're not going to be whole in there. And then somebody thinks, okay, I'm going to read more. I'm going to do this more. Nope. You're still working on the external. It's still the superficial. You're not getting into the meat and potatoes, the blood and guts. You have to attack the cellular level. And that is what I do. And that is why what I do is so profound and so successful. Life like Jake, like life like Jake.com focuses, help people focuses on self-belief where they prioritize their values, where they nourish their minds and bodies with physical and spiritual nutrition, embrace failure and learn from it, are ne never satisfied with the status quo, have the curiosity of children, are people for others, always do the right thing no matter what, and never forget it takes all the people to make a world. Yes, you sir. help people conquer, now, this is big, this is all from your website, lifelikejake.com. Physical, psychological, and emotional trauma. Veterans dealing with PTSD. I definitely need you in my life. Eating disorders, alcohol, drug, and prescription addiction and abuse. Suicide prevention, depression, anxiety, self-esteem issues, body dysmorphia, body recomposition, obesity, osteoporosis, post-menopausal strain, high blood pressure, relationship and family troubles, sexual health and sexual abuse, pre and post-natal distress and recovery, autoimmune diseases, 
and so much more. Life Like Jake has helped people conquer these issues. And they can join your program at lifelikejake.com. Getting started today. I know you have spaces limited because you're probably highly sought after in that area. New York, correct? I'm based um, in Miami now. but have Oh, okay. You're down the street. <laughs> yeah, still in New York and in L.A. Um, but tell people in your own words, which I derived all these words from your website, about Life Like Jake and the program. Definitely. And so simply put, you come work with me, you will never feel better or have more self-worth than you could have ever imagined in your life. And yes, you would look better too. But it's about the deconstruction. And it's about the beginning at the cellular level and working our way to the finish line, which is you on the outside. But again, it's about being truly happy, healthy, and wealthy within. Those three words are defined by each of us differently. You know, someone's happiness, someone's health, someone's wealth, like they all mean different things. But what do they mean to you? And you know when they're lacking. And I call those three basic human needs because they should be. They should be basic or inherent things that we should have. But somewhere along the way, we lose them or we lose sight of them or we lose touch with them. So getting them back is not just pivotal. I'd say it's critical. And that's what I help people do. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful website. Very well organized. Definitely tells people what they need to know in regards to being the, their best selves with your program at lifelikejake.com. Um, making people address their need, their, their ability to be happy, to be healthy, to be wealthy. As a, you know, these um, people regarding their core beliefs, the power of self, the power of subconscious mind, being the master of their universe, one of my favorite television shows in the 80s, obey our conscious, meat-based whole food diet, be the best at one thing instead of a master of, I mean, instead of being a jack of trades of all, right? <laughs> Discipline is subtraction. Be relentless in the pursuit of your goal. A lot of times we fall short of our goals. I tell people all the time, set short goals. And if you can accomplish those, then they may contribute to the bigger goal, but the short goals help you get to the bigger goal. But at least if nothing else, you've accomplished that short goal. And, and that's why if you have a short goal, it's easier to say, I did it. Versus if you have just a big goal and you're doing steps to get there, but not really consider them goals, then it may not be as easy to say that. Right, Jay? Well, it's like the SMART acronym for goals. S -M -A -R -E, yes. Yeah. You know? um, God, I can't. I'm about to forget the S. Oof. But uh, blank, measurable, attainable, reachable, and timely. And I'm forgetting mm -hmm. the S right now. But even better. Simple. We, we do not. It might, it might be simple. We do not rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the strength of our systems. Mm -hmm. That's the truth of it. And if you don't have a strong system, you are never gonna get to the goal. Not to mention, the goal is not the focus. The work, the journey, that's where the magic lies because it's the work that truly instills the worth. You cross a marathon, finish line, it's over. What did you learn? Well, you learn that whole 16-week prep or however long it was, that's where you learn the most. The moment of crossing the ticker tape is great, but 
the work that instilled the worth is between the first day and that last day. Thomas Edison invents the light bulb and then tells people, yeah, well, I had 10,000 failures before I hit the jackpot. And someone asks, why would you do that so many times? Because I learned 10,000 ways how not to make a light bulb. That is the understanding that the work instills the worth. And that's the strength of his system, not the level of his goal. Indeed, indeed. Lifelikejake.com with Mr. Jake Thomas. He has given us many, many jewels to his program and how to gain success regarding mind, body, and soul, how to be happy, healthy, and wealthy. I'm just in awe of his website, you know what I'm saying? I need to figure out who his designer was and have them help Morton Therapy out. <laughs> looks good, looks good. And it's very empowering. Jake, what's, some, what's a jewel you can leave the listening audience with as it pertains to you know, getting in contact with you and also just readily addressing their wellness and their recovery. Definitely. Well, you're right there on the website, lifelikejake.com. You can click any of the application links click here to start now, begin the journey, start today, click through, apply, and uh, we take it from there. You can also find me on Instagram at lifelikejake. That's where I'm the most active daily with updates, what's going on, challenges, uh, and things that you can tag along with me and, and try to help yourself out. But as far as in the best nugget I can give anybody out there in regards to their health, the single most impactful thing you or anyone else can do when it comes to bettering their health is controlling what you put into your freaking mouth. Most of you don't know what that is. And most of you don't know what that means, which is why you need to hit me up because I do. And that's Jake Thomas with lifelikejake.com. Please go to the website, lifelikejake.com to learn more about Mr. Jake Thomas, who has dedicated his life not only to us regarding his military career, but his post-military career where he focuses on helping you be a better you through nutrition, through wellness, through recovery, and using his own life in this world his own ventures, his own perils as a guide, as the sacrament of how he became better and can teach you how to be better. Thank you, Mr. Jake Thomas, for your time on this occasion on the Modern Therapy Podcast. For those of you who have not subscribed to the Modern Therapy Podcast, please feel free to do so by pushing play on your favorite way to listen to podcasts. That's the more the Therapy Podcast. Be well and be great. I can't breathe. I have migraines, numbness, weight loss. I live with it every day. The illness that I'm suffering from is an anxiety disorder and it deserves to be treated like any other illness. But it's not. 